I'm not sure where to begin this sermon because there is so much application that it does you good to to think about, to ponder when it comes to this text specifically and specifically because of when you're living. In 2016, if I were preaching to you on Romans 13, I would just tell you, obey the government. We live in weird times, weird times. Text starts on page 948, so I should probably just get some of the Bible straight out before I start saying what I think. But um, to find your way there, if you would, page 948 of your pew Bible. Verse 1 is really the, the thrust of the struggle, the thrust of the challenge here. It says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. I'm even going to read it to you in Greek. Pasa suke exuiais hupa ercusais hupa tastesto. Now, to let every person, that's pretty straightforward, but it's to the authority, those who have it, being under the order. Let every person to the authority, that is, those who have it, let every person be under the order. That's what it says. But as we looked at in the event with Athalia, well, they definitely didn't follow her authority, and they did not do it because it was wrong to do so. And that's the trick. How do you know that an authority is, in fact, an authority? So let me tell you my own little parable. You're standing at an ATM. You're taking out a little bit of cash. Maybe you haven't done this for a while. We live in a digital currency age. So yeah, I get it. But let's you've done it, right? You know what it's like. You're taking out a little cash. You turn around and there's somebody with a gun. And he says, give me all your money. Now you might say, well, he's a thief. And I would say he sure is. But if you wanted to ask me what I think you should do, I think I would tell you a wise man's going to obey his authority. He's going to give him the cash because otherwise he's going to take a risk. And the one who bears the sword does not bear the sword in vain. And he might just use it for himself rather than for the good of you, who he ought to be, but is not protecting. So who is the authority in the moment when you confront that thief? What is right? What is wrong? And that's where, again, this just isn't that easy. It's not just do what the authority says. That's what the Bible says. And we learned this the hard way over a century, excuse me, over a generation ago during World War II. When following World War II, there were some trials. You may have heard of these, Nuremberg. There's a code that comes out of these trials. At these trials, many Nazi officers pleaded innocent. Yes, of course, we were there working at the gas camps and we murdered all those people, but it wasn't our fault. We were just following orders. And the Nuremberg Code and the, the reality of international law that came out of that issue was to recognize that it's actually your duty to disobey an evil order. It's your duty to protect your neighbor and not just do what you're told. And of course, Romans 18 is going to get to the point, or excuse me, Romans 13 is going to get to the point where it says that loving your neighbor is the real point. 
The real point is not submission to authorities. The real point is that those who are near you need you to protect them and do good to them in whatever way you can. So again, when it says, starting the chapter, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, this is a good rule of thumb. This is an extension of the the fourth commandment, honor your father and your mother. This is what would make for a better world when the authorities are doing good. You go right along even if you think it could be done better. But it doesn't mean that when there is a civil war between two warring parties, you have to just listen to the one who says, I'm in charge, listen to me. So again, another parable here. You live in a village in the medieval ages. And there are two barons who want to have the control of the land on which you are. And they're fighting each other back and forth. And one comes to you and says, I'm your baron. And one comes to you and says, I'm your baron. They both say pay taxes. What do you do? Well, you probably as a serf, you're just going to pay the taxes to both of them if you can. But then again, maybe you're a knight. Maybe you have to pick a side. When the authorities are themselves destroying each other, Your loving of your neighbor means you're going to have to help restore the order. And restoring the order means picking an order to fight for, to be on the side of. And you want to pick the one that's good. You want to pick the one that tells the truth. You want to pick the one that is pushing for a good order. And everything that's going to follow in Romans 13 is about trying to serve that good order. Now, again, I I don't know where to begin and I don't know where to stop with this sermon. Because on one level, I want to throw out to you what I believe about the current cycle that we're in. But I don't want you to confuse it with the word of God. And I don't want you to think that you have to agree with me. But, I mean, I I think right now, I'm pretty confident, it's my opinion, that our governments, plural, because state governments, federal government, judiciary, executive, Congress, I'm pretty sure they're fighting each other. And I'm pretty sure they're doing it for themselves, by and large. Although I do think the majority on the Supreme Court, which has been called invalid by a number of congressmen, I do think that majority does care about the Constitution, and that's why they ruled against Roe versus Wade. But in the meantime, there's a whole other level of authority that's trying to take over the world. I really believe this. They are global oligarchs. These are very wealthy people working through banks and through non-government organizations, they're called NGOs, in order to influence policy and change the way that we live so that we'll do what they want and they can control the future. You may have never heard of the Georgia Guidestones, but somebody blew them up last week. This is a monument that was set up down in Georgia with a, a, a new Ten Commandments for the future of the world. And some of it sounds nice and cheery, but one of the bits of it basically implies that a good 80% of the world's population needs to die. That if we're going to have a sustainable future, we need less people. 
Now, somebody spent a lot of money to put up these giant guidestones. This was a, a massive monument, a great art endeavor. Somebody spent quite a bit of money sneaking in and blowing the thing up. Again, they're fighting, and I don't know who they are. I don't want to claim that I know it all, although if you've heard the name Klaus Schwab, well, then you know there's people out there saying they're doing this. Like, they literally have websites saying we're taking over the world. It's weird. It's weird times. I couldn't, I couldn't make a, a stranger movie. So, again... The authorities are confusing us on purpose, maybe, for their own good, not for ours, with the potential that they actually have a plan to kill a lot of us, or at least let us die. The food shortages, they keep saying they're coming, and then there's these things burning and shutting down of trades and all this other stuff that's going on. Again, I don't, you don't have to agree with me on any of that. But I know that a lot of you are hearing pieces of it. And then the question is, so then what do you do when Paul says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities? What do you do when Wisconsin says that the last election was invalid through their court system and calls into question whether or not the current president is actually a president? Of course, you can't do anything. You're just an American citizen. You just are a resident of the state of Illinois. But again, can you do something? How do you pray? Who do you pray for? And, well, I don't know that voting even has anything to do with it anymore. That's an open question, too. But, again, here's the real crux. The next time they say shut down the church, I'm not shutting down. That's the crux. We got duped. I'm not saying there wasn't a disease. I'm not saying people didn't die. I'm saying they lied to us and claimed authority that they didn't have. And we need to be ready as Christians to discern between an authority that is in fact the authority asking us to do what God wants us to do and the prophetic task of the church which is when an evil authority comes along and says, do something evil, we say, no. That doesn't mean resist violently. In fact, I would encourage us to consider that the power of nonviolent resistance is significantly stronger in the present age. The violent resistance taking place right now in Sri Lanka, have you heard of this one? Sri Lanka has fallen apart. Economically, it's just fallen apart. They put into practice the ESG environmental Green New Deal standards five years ago, and it all collapsed. They chased the, the prime minister out of the country. They broke into his house. They burned it down. There's riots going on everywhere. And he says, military, put down the fascists. we got to stop these fascists, all these poor people that are starving. They're the fascists. But see, so when you, you respond violently, they can keep using the story against you. Yeah? Nonviolent resistance means simply doing what is right doing what is right. And I want us, St. Paul, to be prepared to do what is right on this corner in Rockford, Illinois, in the state of Illinois, no matter what may come. And what is right is that the Sabbath day shall be remembered by keeping it holy, that the Lord's Supper shall be offered to those who desire it, and nobody is going to compel you to perform certain medical treatments Based on us saying that, you know, you should or you shouldn't. Because again, that is a, that's also a breach of Nuremberg, by the way, to compel medical treatment. Huh? Okay. 
So with all that in the air, right? And I hope I haven't given you anything that would say you have to think a certain way about these things. I want that all in the air so that as we go through Romans 13, we have some sort of like footwork to wrestle with this because it is, it, it impacts this tremendously right now. How do we walk? Okay, so here we're going to go. We're going to go straight through this text. I think we can get through the whole chapter in the 20 minutes we got left. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. When there is an order out there and someone has authority, your general rule of thumb is follow the orders. Leaders are good. Leaders are good is the idea here. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. That is, when there is a government that is actually a government, you should take them as being from God. Again, our confusion right now is you have multiple people saying we're the right government. And it's going to get worse before it gets better. And we got to be ready for that. But when there is a government that is a government, when the cop pulls you over, you pull over. When he says, get out of the car, you get out of the car. He said, I didn't do anything, officer. And he puts you in handcuffs and say, okay, I'll go in the handcuffs. You don't fight back against the cop. Right? That's the idea here. Yeah. Verse 2, therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. So yes, if you decide to start a coup against a legitimate government, then you should expect the judgment of God. And so you should see that those who are fighting to usurp authority right now, and I would put in place those who are particularly trying to destroy your constitutional rights, the first ten amendments of the Constitution, You should see them as fighting against God and that God is going to punish them. You should believe that about them and you shouldn't join them in doing that. That's really what this is about here. It's not about doing everything that the CDC says to do. The CDC is an advisory organization, not a government. The World Health Organization, they're definitely not a government. Uh, They're basically Bill Gates' pocket fund, a way that he has begun investing money in healthcare as opposed to computers. Again, that's my opinion. I just let it slip. Again, we're, we're on some slippery ground right now, aren't we? Huh? Um, so you'll have to bear with me and, and know that I love you and I pray you love me as we walk through this together. The point again being that to resist legitimate authority is wrong. Authority is legitimate when it's doing good, not when it's doing evil. We're supposed to resist evil. For rulers, government, are not a terror to good conduct. This is actually the whole point, right? Rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad conduct. Paul's point is don't do evil things. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good and you will, be, you will receive his approval. Now, I'm pretty sure that the family that hid Anne Frank from the Nazis, they were doing what was good and they had fear of the government at that time. Why? Because the government was illegitimate. The government was doing what was evil. So again, there are times and places where you're doing what is good is going to turn the eye of wrath against you from the government. And that doesn't mean stop doing the good because the government said so. Do what is good. Knowing that generally in history, doing what is good gets the government to look past you. So we go back to our parable about the serf who is raising crops and getting taxed by both guys. It's like you can raise up arms and try to fight back and probably die, or you can pay taxes to both and one of them is going to kill the other and it's going to pass. And you'll still be there. Now the Proverbs say a wise man sees trouble coming and hides. Moving forward. Do what is good. 
and you will receive his approval. That's the general rule of thumb. For he is, this is the governor, whoever he might be, cop, mayor, whatever. He is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is a servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. So here's the idea of the sword. And and this is one of the kind of weird things about the way authority works is whoever has the sword can say, I'm the authority. And in one sense, they are. Because they don't have that sword in vain and they can punish with it. Now we recognize again, if they use it for themselves and they punish good with an evil act by the sword, we know God will take vengeance on this. God will return upon their heads the wickedness they have done. They do not bear that sword in vain. He may be punishing another evil person by the evil that's being done. This is a great insight from the Old Testament that God uses wicked nations to punish wicked nations. And so if we find ourselves in such a wicked nation where the blood of millions of innocents have been shed before they were born over a course of a generation and the rejection of the identity of God, God even existing at all, has been put into, like enshrined into what we teach our children, not as religion, but as knowledge, as science in the schools. So they all think they're monkeys who can have sexual license and turn themselves into whatever they want to be. Well, should we be surprised if God lets the sword go a little wanky on us, a little janky on us? No, he's, he is avenging at this point. What we want to do as a Christian people is say, Lord, Lord, spare the city. Lord, Lord, are there not 10 righteous men here? Lord, Lord, would you please protect us? Lord, help us build an ark. If you must destroy the evildoer, we know that's good because we just want to live a good life. We just want to do good to our neighbor. We don't want to do evil. So preserve us, Lord. Again, remember how the people shouted it when Athalia's reign was ended. What good news it was for them just to go back to life. Because most people do just want to go back to life. Okay, so uh, the servant of God, an avenger who carries out wrath on the wrongdoer, the good of government, the reason government is good is because it's there to stop chaos from breaking the neighborhood. That's what it's for. We want that. And in the day when that's not what's happening, again, our primary task is to humble ourselves before Jesus and say, bring that good government back. And whatever we've done that we need to repent of, teach us to repent of it. Maybe we can't even see it. Maybe we don't even know. How does a nation, a nation of people, Go from what we believed about marriage in 2008 to where we are now in 2015 years. How's it even possible? I'll tell you. The talking box is a hypnotism machine. That's how. So when I say repent, I don't mean watching TV is a sin, but I do mean if you're just watching, you're probably not thinking. And if you don't realize that everyone else is doing that at least, then you're going to be surprised when they all believe this stuff. You're like, that's crazy. What they said on the TV is crazy, and no one else says that. Why? Again, because they've begun believing that as their authority. Who is the government right now? If the election was stolen, hypothetical, how would you ever know since the news all agrees it wasn't? See, who's really ruling us? 
Huh? And does that mean you should do whatever the TV says? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It means we live in strange times where we need to pray for good government. That's what it means. We need to pray for men whose consciences are not seared, who will not use these powerful tools of news distribution for themselves and for their investments, but will use them again for the sake of the poor. That's you, the commoner, the average person who, again, just wants to live a life of order, a life of, of non-chaos. So he says, verse 5, moving on, Therefore, one must be subject in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. That's where, where this really hits the road. What's your conscience say? When the governing authority says, do this, and you're like, if I do that, it's going to hurt people. What's your conscience say? You want to obey for the sake of conscience, but if he's compelling you to do something you think is wrong, now you've got to disobey for the sake of conscience. But generally, the rule of thumb is to obey. Huh? It is to obey. Now, again, uh, you know, this is on YouTube, and I, I don't want to say anything that would be misconstrued as medical advice on YouTube. They don't like it when you, when you don't agree with their medical advice. Um, but in terms of uh, whether or not I will ever ask you to put something on your face again to come into church, uh, even if the government says we have to, my conscience will compel me to say you don't have to. You can if you really want to, but you don't have to. And the reason for that is because of the medical science that I've seen out there that I can't unsee. And what it shows is that two things. When you, when you re-breathe your own bad air, you make yourself more sick. So if you're wearing a mask, you're, you're re-breathing bad air no matter what. You're getting more carbon dioxide than oxygen, and over time, it's not good for you. <laughs> to do that to little children or mothers who are giving birth when oxygen is most necessary, well, I think that's evil. To make them do that's evil. There's this other little bit where having a mask over your face and you're breathing out particles that would just kind of go out and then fall within six feet of you. If you have the mask on, it actually aerosols them, aerosolizes them, and pushes them up into the air, and they last for 15 to 20 more minutes in the space. And all the stuff you don't know because they won't tell you. And of course, you don't have to believe me. That's just something I read. But I can't unsee it. And so if someone tells me, you have to make little children wear masks, I'm, 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 I'm not going to listen. Because I, I can't, because I think it's wrong. The key here is where's your conscience? You don't have to do what Pastor Fisk's conscience does. You have to have your own conscience. You need to follow it. And when you have an authority, even Pastor Fisk saying do evil, you say, no, Pastor Fisk, I won't do that. That's evil. Now, again, here's the trick now. What if we both think it's evil to have the other one not doing what we say we ought to do? And that's how much they've divided us. It's kind of scary. And that's where, as a church, I have said to you again and again, what we want to do as a congregation is not have these other stories from far away be what we talk about. We want to be a place where what we talk about is what the Scripture says. What we are is who the Scripture says we are. Uh -huh. mm. For the sake of conscience, we want to be people who love authority. We love government. We love order. For the sake of conscience, it's there to protect the neighbor. Which is why in the time when we see our neighbor being hurt, we'll step into the breach. And we'll take the risk. And we'll maybe bear the wrath. Because it's for the sake of the good of those around us. 
Now he goes on from here. It gets a little easier because of this. You also pay taxes, right? Well, you pay your taxes. Don't stop. It's an amendment to the Constitution, and I can tell you, I don't know how on earth we voted to pay more taxes, but we did. And now here we are. We're stuck with it. And I, I know I can talk to you about how the Federal Reserve is not exactly what that amendment's about and how they're inflating the currency, and it looks like the dollar's going to collapse someday, and that's going to really cause a whole lot of heck for everybody. But none of that really matters, though, because God is going to give you his daily bread. God is going to provide for you and yours. Sometimes the discipline and chastisement of the Lord that is suffering with a little less than we used to have is actually really good for us. Pay your taxes. Pay your taxes. That's why you pay your taxes, because those who are in authority are actually servants of God attending to this very thing, right? In theory, you're paying taxes so that the policeman has a job, so the policeman can go in and stop the bad guy from doing his job, which is a bad thing. Of course, now the policemen are afraid because if they stop the guy and he doesn't look the right way, then suddenly it's all bad for them and defund the police and on and on. But the point is not that. The point is you pay your taxes so that the cop is there. And the cop is there to protect you. That's what it's for. Just because there's a tyranny or just because there's an abuse doesn't mean that the thing isn't still good. And so again, where are you as a Christian? You're in a place where you need to pray for it to be good again. And honestly, I've met a lot of the sheriffs and cops in the area. We got good ones. Thank Jesus for the cops in Rockford. Thank Jesus that they're there doing their job in spite of how hard it's become for them. Yeah. So verse 7, pay to all what is owed. Taxes to those whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. That word respect, by the way, is more like fear. Fear to whom fear is owed. So assess the situation that you're in and do what's right. That's, that's the command here. And he's going to say that again in a moment. The command is love. Verse 8, owe no one anything, right? You, you really don't because Jesus paid your debts. Owe no one anything except to love each other, which means to do good for the person that you're with. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment, honor father and mother, are all summed up in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. How do you preserve the order which is good for your neighbor? And your neighbor is not someone in Sri Lanka. I know the news likes to talk like we're in a global neighborhood, but we're not. You have an actual neighborhood, you have an actual city, you have an actual county. Do good for that place. Let your life be about that place. How much of the news never actually matters to you? Have you ever thought that through? Write down the stories and see how much of it actually gets to you. None of it, not none of it. Very little of it, though. Right? So again, love does no wrong to a neighbor, to the one who's actually near you. See who's actually in front of you and try to fulfill the law of loving them. Because, verse 11, and this is really the point, too, with the government, you're worried about the government. Don't you know what time it is? Don't you know the end of the world is almost here? Why are you worried about who's in charge? It's all going to burn. The hour has come for you to wake up. Salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. All of that. Again, the end of the world is upon us. The end of the ages has already occurred in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is risen. The end of the ages has already occurred in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And how long he will tarry before he comes again, we do not know, but it is soon. 
It is soon. That is the word from the Bible. And he doesn't count slowness the way we might. And so don't fall asleep on it. Let us then cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Notice the military language. You want to pick up a sword? Pick up the armor of light. The word there is not normally armor. It's more like ordinance. It includes both what you put on your chest to protect yourself and what you might shoot at somebody or hit somebody with. It's the whole thing. Pick up the weaponry of light, which is this very word of God, which is the conscience which sees the neighbor as more valuable than self, which is the mind that's been transformed and renewed by the fact that your God is a God of grace who intends to provide for you even in the midst of the storm. Put that on, yes? Let us walk properly as in the daytime. That is, don't hide what you're doing. Walk in the open, a free person, courageous and alive. Not in, he lists a couple of things that are definitely bad. Orgies there doesn't have a sexual connotation. It just means like partying with revelry, right? Just kind of throwing caution to the wind. That's not what we're about. We're not about drunkenness. The word there's methane. You can hear the word methamphetamine in it, but it's really about losing your mind, right? Substance abuse that takes your mind away. Well, that's not what we're supposed to do. Sexual immorality and sensuality, both of those are the same. Fornication, Spending your time as if your fleshly lusts are really what's the value of this life. Not in strife, quarreling, and jealousy. That is seeking to be at peace with everybody that you can be at peace with. That's what we're to be about. That's what we're after. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Do you not want to pay taxes just because you want more money? Do you see how wrong that is just to want more money? Do you not want to pay taxes because you're mad about what they're doing with the money, how they're funding abortion mills and trying to put another one or two in Rockford? Well, now pay your taxes anyway, but maybe do something about it. Maybe do something about it. Call your congressman, call your mayor, run for mayor. Lutherans have been way too quiet in that world. Been way too absent, way too happy to sit back and assume that those out there in the world are going to do good by us. So I really do tell you, before you think, and this is out there too, you can find these corners on the internet. We've got to get ready for the Civil War. Got to get ready to fight back. Before you go there, why don't you get involved in a political party that you can push with your conscience? Go get on the school board. Start doing something about truth. Start doing something about what's good for your neighbor. Start loving others well, by being a public servant. And recognize that you are a public servant as a citizen. You are no matter where you are. And your first and absolute public service, you do it every week as you come to this liturgy. The word liturgy means literally public service. And as Christians, you are ordained by God as kings and priests to call upon his name in prayer, praise, and thanks, and to beg him and implore him for mercy, not only for yourself and your own needs, that you might be able to pay taxes to whom they are due and show revenue to whom it is due, but all the more so, you pray on behalf of your city. That because you are here being made into righteous men by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you are therefore seen by God and heard as sons. And when you plea, even for those who are wicked, who live near you, that they would repent, they would hear, that they would be served goodness again, God hears you. And he promises to turn the storm away. He promises to send you the ark at the right time. 
He promises to establish you as a people, to raise up good leaders who speak the truth among you. And of course, that means fathers. He's a God of grace before he's ever a God of wrath. And so in all of your submitting to whatever authorities you find out there, again, to close it up here, do it for the sake of conscience. Follow your conscience. And then pray to Jesus for good leaders. In the name of Jesus, amen.